0: It's encouraging to me to see young people interested in these topics, um, to see young people who, are, uh, who have made the choice to invest in themselves intellectually. Uh, one of my personal callings uh, is also apologetics. Um, and one of my favorite apologists, Frank Turek, says that Christians don't get brownie points for being stupid. And so God, you know, the Bible calls us to be intelligent Christians. And so I thank you, I commend you, I applaud you, I'm grateful uh, for people your age who are taking the time to invest not only in their spirits and their hearts, but in their minds also. Um, Now, what is truth? This is a tough question to deal with, and in a moment you'll see that there are lots of different conceptions of truth. Before we begin, does anyone have an idea, their own idea of what is truth? What do you think? Truth. Does anybody have an answer to that question? What is truth? Objective. Objectively, what? Correct. Yeah, that which is objectively correct. Um, I mean, that's probably one of the simplest definitions of truth that you can that you can hope for. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about truth. In John 18, there are, in the book of John, there are several passages talking about truth. In this one, where Jesus is brought before Pilate, chapter 18 of the book of John, starting in verse 33, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth?" But then Pilate didn't even stay to hear the answer to the question. Um, And you notice that if you read the Gospels and Jesus' interactions with with almost anybody, he almost invariably answers a question with a question. which does a couple things, and we'll talk about how to dialogue with other people. But when you ask people questions, you're doing two, um, at least one thing. You, you get behind their initial question and get to the real heart of their question because every, behind every question is an assumption. And when you ask people questions like Jesus did, he really got to the base level assumptions uh, to try to get a framework for where they are, why they're asking that question. Um, and so we'll talk to, We'll talk a little bit later about how to engage in dialogue and get to the truth, uh, no matter who you're talking to. Jesus prayed in, in John 17, the high priestly prayer, one of my favorite chapters. He prayed for his followers, sanctify them in the truth. The sum of your word is truth. And in John chapter 8, whatever truth is, and we'll explore this in our session, whatever it is, Knowing it is gonna set us free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so, as Pilate demonstrated, um, the most important question you can ask is, what is truth? There are other important questions you can ask, but one of the most important is, what is truth? Before we get to the nature of truth, I wanted to explore why is it even important that truth exists? There are at least a few reasons. Without truth, we couldn't know anything If nothing could be true, then we could have no knowledge of anything about the world. And if there was no truth, we couldn't claim anything, which is important for Christianity because we couldn't claim things like, God exists, Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible is the Word of God. Those are all truth claims. And if there was no truth, uh, we could not claim them, let alone convince anybody um, or, you know, convince anybody, share these things with people, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts. Now, basic definition of truth and this is this is my view that truth is correspondence that is telling it like it is that's all correspondence is if something is true then it corresponds to reality as we can perceive it uh, this is a little extra truth is largely a property of propositions it's not a property of people um, honesty is a property of people but truth is a property of statements, of propositions. And if those statements are true, then they correspond to reality. That's the correspondence theory of truth, telling it like it is. So that's the definition of truth, but there are some characteristics of truth. Um, One characteristic is that it's discovered. It's not invented. No one invents truth. No one invented two plus two equals four. They just discovered it. Truth is absolute and unchanging. It is objective not subjective, Um, and just a quick definition of these two. Objective means independent of human opinion. Subjective is based on your own opinion. My subjective opinion on ice cream is that buttered pecan is the best ice cream, or it's my favorite ice cream. I think the best ice cream is roasted pear, no, it's caramelized pear and roasted pecan ice cream, but Haagen-Dazs only made that for one season and they never made it again, so I was very sad about that. But in my subjective opinion, butter pecan is the best. But it would be, what was that? Okay. I, kinda, I do too. I do too. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I was afraid to say that, um, but I'm glad I'm not the only one. Thank you for being with me on that. Truth is also narrow and exclusive, and it is testable. It can be empirically supported, and uh, when you're talking about empirical support, empirical just means evidence. Can something be supported with with evidence? Some examples of true statements: three plus two equals five. We all know that all mathematical truths are absolute, unchanging truths. The Earth revolves around the sun. This was a truth that was discovered. Again, it was discovered, not invented. We didn't invent this truth; it was just discovered. It is wrong to torture babies for fun, you'll discover. If you, dis- if you study apologetics for any length of time, apologists tend to use pretty extreme examples, uh, and this is one of them. It is objectively wrong. That is, it's wrong independent of anyone's opinion to torture babies for fun. That's, that's not a subjective uh, truth. The earth is round. Again, this can be tested, uh, but it's something that was discovered through testing, through scientific discovery. The universe is expanding. Again, we discovered this, we didn't invent it. Um, And that's a testable theory. That's a testable fact, rather, about the universe. So those are all characteristics of truth. But again, the, the definition of truth that I'm working with is that truth is what corresponds to reality, the correspondence theory of truth. So remember that when we look at some of these false definitions of truth. First one is pragmatism. Now, you have some extra bit of information on your handouts that I'm not gonna go through Um, I won't go through all of it just for the interest of time, but you have some extra materials in your handout. So pragmatism, this view says that whatever works must be true. If it works, then it's true. And then we'll go over some issues with these definitions in a moment. Emotionalism, you hear this a lot uh, from certain uh, demographic groups in the nation. Whatever makes me feel good must be true. This is an especially dangerous view of truth with respect to religion and Christianity, there are some denominations, uh, Christian denominations, uh, you read about these people in the Bible who uh, something about they seek out what what their ears long to hear, what, what scratches a particular itch, and then they seek that out because it makes them feel good. Um, God loves you is a truth that should make us all feel good, but if that's where people stopped when sharing the gospel, then that's not the whole truth. That is true, and it makes people feel good, but when they focus on that to the exclusion of certain negative truths about the gospel, that we are sinners, that we all need a Savior, and that God loves us despite our sin, um, then if they leave out that important part of the gospel, then it's really not the gospel. It's only a small chunk, a big important part of it is missing. Um, And you hear it in secular circles as well, Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. So emotionalism, whatever makes me feel good must be true. Pluralism, that there are many paths to God. Everyone finds their own way. Does anyone know a Bible verse offhand that counteracts this, this truth claim? If you don't know the reference, that's fine. Do you know the what the Bible says about that there are many paths to God, that there are many ways to God? You probably do. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a very narrow and exclusivistic claim, but we'll see that uh, truth by, by its very nature, we saw a moment ago, is exclusive and it's narrow. If something is true, then anything that opposed to it is false. And this is about what is truth, it's not about proving Christianity to be true. Um, so I would encourage you to get apologetic books like I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Frank Turek that, that demonstrates the, cru- the truth of, of Christianity. Subjectivism. Everyone makes their own truth. Again, subjective is based on your own personal feelings, so whatever you feel to be the case is true. Skepticism, one of my favorites. Uh, We are unable to know anything for sure. So skeptics are, I guess you could, for lack of a better word, skeptical about most things about reality. They're especially skeptical about religion. They're skeptical about anything that can't be proved by science. Uh, There's an offshoot of skepticism called scientism that says that Mm -hmm. science is the only path to truth. Science is the only method by which we can discover true things about reality. Things like philosophy, spiritual talk, religion, um, those are fine for the individual, but they tell us nothing about the objectively real world. So skeptics claim that we are unable to know anything for sure. And relativism is one, it's a big one these days. So it has its own slide. Relativism is the belief that truth, knowledge, and morality are relative to the individual, the society, or the historical context. Uh, For example, several, couple centuries ago, people thought, some people, not all people, some people thought that it was morally good to own other people as property, as slaves. Um, But then as time went on, uh, people were enlightened to the fact that it was wrong to own people as property. And so they use that to argue that truth is relative to historical context. It might have been true then for some people that it was proper to own people as slaves. But now we are more enlightened and now we have the real truth. So the truth in this historical context is that it is wrong to own people as slaves. Relativism is high especially high in the areas of morality and religion. When you put relativism together with religion, you get pluralism. Again, the idea that there are many paths to God and that everyone's path is equally true and equally valid. When you combine relative with morality, relativism with morality, you get moral relativism, that what's morally right for you may not be morally right for me, Um, but it doesn't matter. You know, you kind of do your own thing, do whatever makes you feel good. but obviously they don't really they don't really mean that because if you disagree with them that doesn't make them feel good and then therefore you are morally wrong. <clears throat> and they claim you are morally wrong even though they don't have a foundation for claiming that you are morally wrong. I got to stop hitting my cord. So, a few problems with these definitions of truth. All of them every last one of them presupposes a correspondence view of truth. Remember correspondence is what corresponds to reality. It's telling it like it is. Um, To put it another way, to use pragmatism as an an example, pragmatism is the way it is. They're saying that pragmatism corresponds to the real world. So they're really assuming a correspondence view of truth in order to put forward their false views of truth. Um, So some of those views of truth they're not good definitions of truth, but they're good tests of truth. Some are only tests for truth, not definitions of truth. Pragmatism is a good test for truth. If something is true, then it'll probably work. But just because something works doesn't mean that it's true. People lie all the time to get what they want, and it may work in getting them what they desire, but obviously if they lie to get it, then what they said, um, the end result doesn't make what they said true. Uh, Mormonism is another example. It's near and dear to my heart. I have lots of friends who are Mormons, and one of the things about Mormons is that they're all crazy nice. They're just the nicest people that I've ever met, and um, unfortunately, a lot of the Mormon church in general sometimes can put the Christian church to shame with respect to evangelism and mission work. And they all have really powerful testimonies about how God and the Book of Mormon has changed their lives. Um, And we all, I'm sure we all have similar testimonies about how God has changed our lives, how Jesus has come into our hearts and changed our lives. I certainly have a drastic, um, dramatic testimony of what I was like before I got saved and what I'm like now. Um, But obviously, uh, Mormonism as a whole system Isn't true. It works in changing the lives of its followers to of its adherents. But obviously we would argue that just because it works in changing their lives doesn't mean it's true. So pragmatism is a good test for truth, but it's not a definition of truth. If something is true, it will work though. So it's kind of a reverse. Pluralism is self-refuting. We'll go we'll talk about what self-refuting means in just a second. So again, pluralism, all paths lead to God. All paths are just as true and valid as any other, but And so it seems to be a wide-ranging, inclusivistic view, but it's just as exclusivistic as any single religion because it's saying that we are right and everyone else that disagrees with us is wrong. We are right that every path leads to God and everyone who disagrees with us is wrong. So pluralism is really just as exclusivistic as any other claim uh, to God or to reality. Relativism is also self-refuting. To say that all truth is relative, that's an absolute statement about relative truth. So the whole system self-destructs um, just on its own definition. Subjectivism. If there is more than one person that exists, and clearly there is, um, that means that there is more than one view of truth and reality. Maybe not necessarily in this room, but certainly if you bring in a person from India, a person from Memphis, a person from New York, a person from Guatemala, you'll get very likely different views of truth and reality and they cannot all be true at the same time in the same sense. We'll bring this up a few times. This is what's called the law of non-contradiction. It means that two opposing truths cannot be true at the same time and in the same sense. If you have more than one person, they both can't be right if they make uh, contrary claims about reality. Skepticism is also self-refuting because you're saying that you know that you can't know anything for sure. But if you can know that for sure, then again, skepticism as a whole system self-destructs. So what is a self-refuting claim? It attempts to affirm two opposing positions. Put another way, it sets up a standard of truth, but then it fails to meet its own standard. It sets up a standard of truth, but then it fails to meet that standard. That's what a self-refuting claim is. Uh, A few examples, there is no truth. If someone were to say to you, there is no truth, what question might you ask to respond to that? Is that true? And if they say, yes, that is true, well, yeah, yeah, you can fill in the blank. You can fill in the ellipsis. Is that statement true? Very good. What about this one? There are no absolutes. If someone were to say to you, there are no absolutes, what might you ask in response to that? You got this one, too? Yeah. (laughs) Is that an absolute statement? Yes, it is. You can't know anything for sure. You guys, do you know that for sure? Or are you sure about that? Or another one, well, that's true for you, but not for me. This one took me a while to wrap my head around. If If someone says, that's true for you, but not for me, you can say, is that true for you or is that true for everybody? I didn't, I think I read that in my mid-20s and I, I only just the other day, the light bulb finally just went on. I was like, okay, that's what I meant by that. So if you don't understand that one, uh, oh my goodness, you know, join the club with me. Um, this is just a fun thing. This is poor philosophy and pop culture, two of my favorite examples. One of these isn't necessarily a self-refuting claim, but it's just, I've always thought it was funny. Uh, all of you have seen, Star Wars Episode 3. If you haven't, it's fine. Spoiler alert everyone dies except for most of the characters. So when you watch it, just prepare yourself for that. Um, but the character, two characters, Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker, are engaging in an epic lightsaber battle. Yes? Oh yeah. Yeah, so that's I'm even in the wrong movie then. That's in the that's an episode two. Thank you for uh catching that. So I guess that was yeah, sorry, I guess that wasn't spoiler alert. But oh was I? Okay, thanks. It's been a long time since I've watched these. <clears throat> so they're on a lava planet and they're they're fighting with lightsabers, and Anakin has turned to the dark side. Um and Basically, they have a conversation, and long story short, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is a Jedi, he's a part of the Jedi, the Order of Jedi Knights, and for those of you not familiar with Star Wars, generally, all right, the Jedis are the good guys, Sith are the bad guys, and Obi-Wan Kenobi says the line, only the Sith deal in absolutes. Listen to that again, Obi-Wan Kenobi, a Jedi, says, only the Sith deal in absolutes. But that's an absolute statement, to say that only the Sith deal in absolutes. It's not a self-defeating claim but he just put himself and Yoda in the category of Sith because Yoda's famous thing, do or do not, there is no try. So on his, his standard of being a Sith, both Obi-Wan and Yoda both fit in the category of Sith because only Sith deal in absolutes, apparently. You guys know the song Happy, Despicable Me Too, by Pharrell Williams. Yeah. Overplayed, maybe, a few years ago. Uh, even though it was overplayed for a while, I, I still like the song. I can't help it. Um, <clears throat> but when I started to think about, and this is what studying logic and philosophy does for you. So if you don't want to be robbed of the simple joy of listening to pop music, don't study logic. But please study logic, because it's an important tool to have. Uh, but the chorus goes, what's the first line of the chorus? Clap along if you feel like a room with... A room without a, a roof. That's the, So the first line, clap along if you feel like a room without a roof. Sure, whatever, that's fine. I can do that. Then, clap along if you feel that happiness is the what? Cl- truth. Clap along if you feel that happiness is the truth. And truth is an objective state of reality. It's an objective feature of reality. Then the next line, clap along if you know what happiness is to you, which is a clearly subjective future of reality and so they're in the same chorus one line after another we have an objective and then a subjective and then at that point i always stop clapping along because i just can't with the pop writers these days if they just i don't know i've probably written songs that have weird philosophy in it but that's okay um so One big takeaway, um, to only trust those ideas, beliefs, traditions, or religions that can be tested are supported by evidence and point to truth. One way to test a worldview, and a worldview, you probably all know what a worldview is. A worldview is just how one views the world, how one sees reality. It's a set of foundational assumptions on which you view the world. For example, the Christian worldview believes that all people are created in God's image. And so, so that's a foundational assumption on the Christian worldview, and one of the offshoots of that is that everyone should have equal rights as people, as humans. <clears throat> Whereas on a maybe a naturalistic worldview, an atheistic evolutionist worldview, we weren't created by anybody. We just came up out of a, a mindless, ultimately purposeless p- process of evolution by natural selection Acting on random mutation, uh, and so that gives human beings less intrinsic value than, say, um, definitely than than Christianity. So this is the one, two, three, four test, and I'll just go through this quickly. You have it in your handout. The the one and one, two, three, four is truth. What is truth? The two, correspondence and coherence. We haven't talked about coherence yet. We know what correspondence is. It's whatever matches reality. Coherence is that. All the claims of a worldview cohere as a unified whole. None of them contradict each other. So if you have contradictory statements within the same worldview, then likely that worldview is false. Coherence is not a good definition for truth, but it is a good test for truth. And I would argue that all the claims within Christianity do cohere as a whole. Some people try to argue otherwise, but there are, um, none of them really hold up in water. hold up water. Um, three. In the one, two, three, logical consistency, is it logical? Does it follow the rules of logic like the law of non-contradiction? Um, empirical adequacy, can it be tested through science? Uh, is it empirically adequate? And experiential relevance, what does it mean to you existent, experientially in your experience? How does that help you live your life? Uh, and again, just because just because, again, that's, that's not to say that pragmatism is true. If something has changed your life, therefore it's true. But if something is true, if Christianity is true, if, if there is a God who loves us, an infinite, eternal, perfectly loving God who loved us enough despite our sin to send a son to die for our sins, not only to give us eternal life, but to give us a transformed life here on earth, uh, then it will manifest itself experientially. And every worldview seeks to answer these four basic questions of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Origin, where did it all come from? Meaning, what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? What's the purpose of life? Morality, what's right and wrong? Do right and wrong even exist? And destiny, where do we go when we die? What happens after this life is over? And we'll just tackle one of these, origin. Um, Mormons, Hindus, pantheists all believe that the universe is eternal. Um, that everything was just always here in one form or another, whereas Christianity believes and teaches that in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, so there was a beginning to everything. And we can test this um, logically and empirically. I won't go through the whole argument, but um, so scientifically, we can see that the universe is expanding. There's this thing called the red shift, the red light shift, that certain telescopes can pick up on that means that the planets and galaxies are moving away from each other. So we can see the universe expanding, which means that if we rewind the video, as it were, of the universe expanding, it would be collapsing back, and eventually it would reach a point of nothingness. And there's also this thing called the second law of thermodynamics. The first law of thermodynamics basically says that the amount of energy in the universe is constant. There's no additional energy being poured into the universe. And the second law says that we are running out of usable energy. And when we do run out of usable energy, the whole universe is just going to die. Uh, there will be no planets, no stars, no nothing. Just equilibrium, a lifeless, cold, dead universe. But we still have a universe. We still have usable energy left, which means that the universe can't be infinitely eternal in the past. There had to have been a finite beginning. So that's just one, one way that the one, two, three, four test um, can help you test a worldview. And Christianity holds up to this whole whole system of testing a worldview. So, a couple questions that you, uh, more for you to respond to, and you hear these a lot. They've been around for a long time. People say to Christians in particular, who are you to judge? Who are you to judge me? Does anyone have a response to that? If someone asks you, who are you to judge, very likely they're judging you. They're not merely asking for information. They're judging you. And they're also uh, failing to distinguish between being judgmental and making judgments. Everybody makes judgments every single day. Um, moral judgments, uh, value judgments, ethical judgments. That's the same thing as moral, but... and. The question usually implies that it's wrong to make any moral judgments, and which, as you pointed out, is inconsistent because they are judging others uh, for judging. By the way, Jesus never, never said, don't judge others. Um, People kind of cherry pick part of his sentence out of the whole context of what he was talking about. He said, judge not what? lest you be judged. By the, same, for by the same measure with which you judge others, that same measure will be used to judge you. Take the log out of your own eye before you help the brother, your brother with the, the splinter in his eye. So basically he was saying don't judge hypocritically because um, everybody makes judgments. It's whether or not we make the right judgments. That's just your opinion. That's just your opinion. So some opinions do concer- to concern subjective matters uh, this is Rick this is Rick's PowerPoint. Some of it is my additions, but this part is his: that sea salt caramel ice cream is the best ice cream ever, and that is just his opinion. I think he's objectively wrong about that. No, not really. That's just me. To me, homemade apple butter ice cream is the best ice cream ever. I'll make you some next next catalyst. But some opinions do concern objective matters like it is wrong to steal from others. So is this just my opinion? Well, no, not really. It is objectively wrong to steal from others. Other way, some, some extra information that Rick has in his handout that I left out, but I wanted to point out that um, about what truth is not I think this is important. Truth is not determined by popular vote. Neither is truth determined by a ruling governmental class of people or judges. Um, for example, it is legal to abort babies. It is, le- you know, we all know that that's legal in many states. That's, um, and it was deemed legal by a group of judges. But just because it has been made legal doesn't make it right. So truth is not determined by popular vote, nor is it determined by a ruling class. And so we can judge the merits of a myriad, myriad means a whole bunch, of a bunch of opinions and decide those that are true and those that are not based on um, other factors like does it correspond to reality Um, and those other tests for truth that we talked about. All religions are basically the same. You hear this a lot too, pluralism teaches this and um, You know, they say, you've seen those coexist bumper stickers. Are they still around? Yeah. I think, what does the other one say? The other one, there's another one that says contradiction. Uh, It has all the same symbols that represent the different worldviews, but it says contradiction because, again, um, all worldviews cannot be true at the same time and in the same sense. And so all religions are basically the same. But they just they differ in the details. Do any of you agree with i mean if you agree with that that's fine um, Does anybody have a response to that that all- re- religions are basically the same? They just differ in the details there's some nit- there's some gray areas for me with regards to Catholics uh I think many Catholics are saved um uh not all you know it's like you know Someone asked Dr. Rogers the previous pastor here's like are you so narrow-minded that you think only baptists are going to heaven and he said I'm more narrow-minded than that I don't think all baptists are going to make it. Sure. I'm sure that there are some catholics uh, that are genuine here but yeah catholics have a very different system of worship than in prayer than christians do or I I mean by than protestants do than evangelicals do. And as you correctly pointed out muslims are monotheists like Christians are. Uh, does anyone know the big difference between Muslim monotheism and Christian monotheism? Yeah, yeah, yes, Judaism. Yeah, another one of the three great monotheistic faiths: Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. Yeah, or oh, were you just stretching, or just chilling? I yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Allah is their God, Muhammad is his messenger. That's one of the main, if not the main, truth claim in in Islam. And as you correct, they don't believe in Jesus as God. He was just a prophet, he was a good man, uh, but he wasn't even crucified, let alone resurrected from the dead. And so they deny the Trinity. You're right, yeah. So they're they're a strict monotheism. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so even if... Even if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, by Allah is so sovereign that he could He not reward you anyway, even if your good deeds, that's a good, um, good... Yeah, so obviously, and then Christianity teaches that salvation is by grace through faith, um, not by works, lest any man should boast. And so already you guys have pointed out that all religions are not basically the same because they deal in different things with the nature of God, the nature of salvation, the nature of man, evil, sin, heaven, and hell. Those are... Those are the fundamentals of any worldview. Um, And so it's totally, it's ignorant. Now ignorant isn't necessarily, ignorant just means that you don't know something about something. Ignorant is not the same as stupid. Um, So it's my opinion that this is an ignorant thing to say, that all religions basically teach the same thing. Um, Because they just, people who say that just haven't done the research. And as we've seen, opposing viewpoints cannot both be true in the same way at the same time. That's the law of non-contradiction. So some ways to engage others in dialogue is, you know, what do you mean by this? It's important to have your terms defined uh, in a conversation. We're, we get a 320? 320? Um, so you can, you have the rest of this on your handout. Does anyone have any questions or comments or anything like that about about anything do I need to repeat anything yes yeah yeah exactly Um, and then you know how did you come to that conclusion Uh, because as as you pointed out often people believe things for which they have little to no evidence they've just heard it somewhere they're repeating sound bites that they've heard on YouTube or or some such thing. Where did you get your information? I was talking to a guy once. I ran into a, a friend of mine from middle school. Hadn't seen him in years. Bumped into him when we were both out for a walk. And he, he never was a Christian, but he turned his back on the church because, or on the Bible rather, because he claimed that, that the Bible had been changed from the original, uh, which is a common thing. Barterman is famous for having said that. He's a scholar that claims that. Um, so my friend said, yeah, I just don't believe in the whole church thing. I don't think it's good because all the, the Bible has been twisted and changed. And I was like, oh, well, that's neat. Can you, I didn't say that's neat, but oh, that's interesting. Can you, uh, can you give me an example of any, any verse that's been changed in the Bible? And he said, well, no, you got me there, man. And so we had a, a good conversation on the heels of that. But yeah, so ask, ask questions. This is a good one. Just to think about, this is a good way to end a conversation, maybe. If you have to end the conversation, uh, what happens if you're wrong? Just you can leave them with that, or hopefully you have the chance to build on this in the conversation. What happens if you're wrong? What happens if you're wrong that Christianity is false, that the Bible is not the Word of God, that God exists? It's just a good thing to think about. And as Christians, we have to live the truth and speak the truth this is important, in love and kindness. And apologetics is my, one of my passions. Apologetics is defending the faith. Um, but there's a thing called incarnational apologetics, and I'll just leave you with this. Um, incarnational apologetics is how has Christianity changed your life? Are you living your life in such a way that it makes others want to be Christians? Uh, that's what incarnational apologetics is. Does what we have, does the truth that we have, the gospel the Holy Spirit that we have? Um, is it worth seeking out? And incarnational apologetics is often more useful than than an argument, because if you present a true argument, but in a hostile way, um, likely people are not going to want to follow it. So um, let the love of Christ be the foundation for, um, for any of these discussions that you might have. Um, So if you need any, if you would like any further resources, please see Rick. Rick is brilliant. Uh, He runs the bookstore, if you don't know, and the library now. Uh, So go and see him. He'll point you to the right books you need to get more information about all these topics and many more and just ask him questions. Uh, He's brilliant. Thank you guys again for coming. Thank you for participating.